Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. As always, great to have you here. We have a really good show for you today. Uh, and kind of dealing or sticking with the theme of, of women's health and, and kind of uh, being an ally in that space, we have someone who's going to speak, you know, not just to women, but specifically about some, some women-specific issues. But as always, before we start the show, the show is brought to you by 6AM Run, 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So on today's show, we have Ariel Martone, that is M-A-R-T-O-N-E. She will be talking to us about being a physical therapist, yoga teacher, but a lot about postpartum wellness. And I think this is something that we don't talk about enough I think if I was scared bringing a kid home from the, <laughs> the hospital and like, wow, I have this is my responsibility now. I can't even imagine what women have to go through with the hormones changing, with issues with thyroid, endocrine issues, your whole body changes, you know, pelvic floor, if we want to be real about it. But Ariel, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I'm really excited to be here. I think, you know, to your point, postpartum isn't something that's talked about much at all. And I'm really hoping to change that because I feel like, I mean, it's unavoidable. So, and I think the more that we know and the better prepared we are, the more realistic our expectations are going to be. And that just sets you up for more success because, it is a tricky, which may be an understatement, a tricky portion of your life if you've had kids um, or if you're planning on having kids. Um, and so we kind of need to you know, just be real about it and, and know what to actually expect. Um, so yeah, thank you for having me. I, as you mentioned, I'm a physical therapist by training for, gosh, over, well, a little bit over a decade now. Um, I feel like the time just keeps creeping up. Um, I am also a yoga teacher. I've been certified in that for about six or seven years now. And that's been a huge part of my life um, really since since high school. And I like to really interweave the two together. Um, and it was my own postpartum journey that kind of made me shift gears and focus more on postpartum wellness. And that's really, you know, addressing the emotional mental changes of postpartum as well as the physical changes postpartum because I really believe that in order to kind of move forward with our postpartum journey as women we need, we really need to address both and do it together and and you talk about having this real conversation just so everybody knows like Ariel is at home with her two kids right now so if you if you hear 
something in the back which you believe it's it's me. It's not me. I know I'm a child, but it is not me. It is her kid. So we're going to keep this as real as possible because we need to allow mothers to be in this. We need to allow parents to be in this space. So um, I, I think that let's go ahead and and jump right into it. I think the world, or at least the Western world, has this image of postpartum. And we always combine it with depression at the end of it, or we always combine it with anxiety at the end of it. Like it's like it's just a one size fits all. Like, hey, you're going to have a baby and you're going to feel like this afterwards. We're here for you. But in your you know opinion, like how does postpartum hit women differently? I'm, do some women have this blissful moment? Do some women just hate the fact that they have this kid they have to take care of? Like, how does it hit women differently? Yeah. So, well, so to your point, I feel like a lot of people from, you know, from conversations that I've had with women about, you know, what to expect postpartum and what they're going through, many people don't even realize that it's, it's just kind of your, the phase of life after having a baby. Um, technically until you are, um, we'll put in quotes like back to normal. Um, because I truly believe that there really is no back. There's no going backwards. There's recovering and rebuilding and there's normalizing of hormones, but there is no going back into that state, that pre-baby state. Um, but a lot of people aren't familiar or know what to expect postpartum because they do only associate it with postpartum depression. And so as I'm talking to different women, they're like, oh, I think I, I think I had that. I think I had postpartum. I'm like, yes, you had a baby. You are, you, you are in postpartum for, you know, however you want to define it. And we kind of define it in, in the States and the West as like, you know, that six week mark, you get, you're all clear from your doctor and you're good to go. Um, but again, if you're looking at it to that kind of like return to normal piece, is it closer to a year or even two years? Because there's a lot of changes that happen that don't stabilize right at that six week mark. In fact, most changes, you know, don't happen until well after that six week mark after having a baby. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot. There's the the physical recovery piece of it, um, which we'll we can hopefully dive into a little bit more. Uh, you know, the urinary leakage, which is kind of just very normalized. Um, it's really common, but it's not normal, and we kind of brush it off as it is. And and when we do that, we don't then try to address it. Um, there's all sorts, there's pelvic pain and that can be broken up into many different categories of like, where is it located in your pelvis? Is it more muscular? Is it more of the, like the bones and the joints, um, you know, coming from that area. Um, and then there is a whole bunch of mood, uh, disturbances that can happen that can be labeled potentially as, you know, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, um, postpartum OCD, but there's a whole array of emotions that happen postpartum. And it really is, if it's, if it's happening in that time period of just after baby, because your hormones are shifting, because you're going through different states of exhaustion, because we're a little bit depleted, um, you know, it, it can be really anything. It can be rage. It, it, there's a whole array of emotions that happen. And I think, you know, to your point, yes, some women are lucky and they don't have any of those mood disturbances. You know, there's a whole array of 
mood disorders that can happen, but there's a whole array of emotions that happen postpartum. And while some people may not experience depression, it is pretty common. And sometimes we can say that it could be underreported, but I think I had a statistic in my head about a couple days ago and I lost it, but it is really high, um, upwards of like 30 to 40% of women that experience some type of postpartum depression. And if we talk about what I was kind of anticipating of that postpartum depression of that, which is really more postpartum psychosis of um, where your babies are at risk or you yourself are at risk and it's very severe. And I feel like we hear about that a little bit because it's alarming and concerning and tragic. And those are the things we hear about. So to me, I was like, well, I'm not there, but then what am I feeling when I had my postpartum depression? Because it was not, it was definitely not my, you know, my normal mood that I was experiencing by any means or, you know, I felt very down. Um, but I feel like, you know, if we're not checking off every one of, you know, so the six week checkup, you get a list and it's basically one sheet on a page and you kind of go through and you circle yes, no, and you, you check the boxes. And I feel like to a point, some women are a little bit hesitant to check off the boxes that are on the list because there's a lot of guilt and shame there. You're admitting that you need help. Um, and, you know, we as mothers and especially in our society feel like we have to do it all. We have to be that superhero mom that just can do everything and do it, you know, right away. So there's, you know, there's some shame to that. Um, but you feel like if you're not checking every single box and if it's not this absolute extreme where you feel like your life is at risk or your baby's life is at risk, then we kind of brush it under the rug and, and again, then kind of normalize it a little bit more like, oh, well, maybe this is just the baby blues or, you know, maybe this is just mom life. It's hard. It's going to be hard. And, you know, we kind of then feel like we have to move through it ourselves. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure with, with. A lot of the well, first of all, let me say this. I love the fact how you reframed that that word postpartum. It's like, hey, when you have a baby, that's postpartum. Like that that is that is the life you live now. That's the the person the person you are. And there's you know, there's of course there's no going back. You're not gonna not be a person that's given birth before. Like that's that's this is this is what you're gonna be for the rest of your life. However, I, I, I think there is unbelievable evidence that this is definitely hormonal has something to do with your hormones when it comes to postpartum but i have to think that just that societal pressure like every supermodel you hear that has a baby you hear the bounce back oh this is her two months after the baby and she's got her abs oh this she's fits in a, a one again after and it's like that has to play so hard on the minds of women that because even though we say I don't compare myself to her, like there's still that little bit in there for even the hardest individual. So that has to be difficult for women going through this process. Absolutely. And I think even, even when you're secure in your body, because I, for the most part, was prior to having kids, you know, pretty secure in my body. I, I felt good. I you know, I exercised because I enjoyed it. Um, you know, that, that was actually what was really hard um, to a point is, 
when you use exercise as your stress relief or because, you know, because it feels good for you and that's kind of your self care. And then that's put on hold for a while. And then you're like, okay, well now what? And, um, you know, with me running, so yoga is part of it. And, and with that, you can do that pretty early on. Um, because, you know, they say no exercise prior to six weeks, but that doesn't mean no movement before six weeks. So there are things that you can do before that. Um, it, it should be, you know, more gentle, of course, and, you know, not not big movements necessarily because you are healing. Um, but you can do movement and movement is really encouraged to help with healing on you know many different levels. Um, but it was the the running piece for me that was really hard. And knowing, you know, with my background and knowing what I know of you know, waiting the 12 weeks, then that puts that puts it on hold and knowing that I need to really prep myself before I even start. So at least the 12 weeks, but then if I'm ready at that point. Um, so that's like three months of not having your normal stress relief, which can be really difficult in a time where you need to rely more on your stress relief. Um but yeah, the the bounce back culture of, you know, I I don't know if I know anyone who isn't affected by it to some extent. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times I've noticed and, you know, maybe it was just triggering to me with social media is talking about things like the pelvic floor and fixing your diastasis recti, which is like when your abs separate during pregnancy and afterwards is that I noticed a lot of that talk is in regards to getting rid of your mom belly. And I think, you know, there's some truth to that to a point, but that's really not the whole truth of it. Like there's a lot that needs to adjust in order for you to really start to lose more of the baby weight. If you're breastfeeding that, you know, I feel like it's a common misconception that that women are told, oh, you're going to breastfeed. That's great. You'll lose the baby weight really quick. And I know that fires me up for multiple levels for reasons, because like one that there are so many benefits to breastfeeding that why is that the one that we hear all of the time? And two, it's not even true. So like, (laughs) let's not, you know, let's not spread false information and tout that as the reason to do it when, again, there's so many benefits to be to being able to breastfeed if you're able to. And you need more calories if you're breastfeeding and your hormones don't really restabilize fully until about three months afterwards. Um, so it's just like, <laughs> it's just not accurate information. Um, and it's it leads to those false expectations that you're just you're setting yourself up for failure when you're not meeting them and then that can kind of feed into the emotional mess that you're feeling of like oh well now I'm not doing this right or now I'm I'm failing at this or I you know why is it taking so long and it's just those expectations that needed to be reset to begin with generally weight loss takes like 6 to 12 months and sometimes it can take longer and I, uh, so I, I appreciate you mentioning that. And it's, you know, it, it's tough with the societal pressures. And, and uh, it, let's be honest, most mothers put a lot of pressure on themselves, too, because we want to be we want to be something that's impossible, which is 
the perfect parent. And there is no such thing as that. But getting back to, I wanted to make sure, like, when you, you say that there's a specific period of time that you cannot do heavy working out, you can't run, you can't lift, all that good stuff. But to the new mothers out there, what are some things they can do just to stay active, just to keep moving? Because I know, you know, there's nervous energy that builds up, like you're in your house with this new person and it's like you're just staring at each other. Then it sleeps 18 hours a day for the first few weeks and you're like, what do I do? I don't want to just walk. Like, what are some things women can do? And I know yoga might be one of those things, but what are some things that women can do to stay active? Yeah. So walking. For starting with walking, it's one of the best things that you can do to help with your recovery, whether you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. It, you know, there's no reason why you can't be up and walking day one. Um, so sometimes I, I don't know if any of the women who are listening have heard of like there's a five 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 thing that you see floating around um, online, and it's like five days in bed, five days on bed, five days. I don't know, in the room or something like that. Um, but I just, I understand a little bit the concept of like making sure that you're resting, but bed rest is almost never the answer for, for anything. Um, so, you know, while you do want to allow for a lot of time to rest, you want to make sure in between that rest that you are getting up and out of bed. Um, and like I said, from day one, uh, even if you've had a, a C-section, you can be up and moving and walking the halls in the hospital with, um, you know, they have the little bassinet that your baby can be resting in that's on wheels. That is a great, you know, walker type <laughs> device that you can use and just walk your baby up and down the halls um, and starting with that, but really working towards 10 minutes of walking every day for those first couple of weeks. And then as you're comfortable building it up to 20, 30 minutes, and it's a great activity that you can do with your baby, whether you're baby wearing or they're in the stroller, you're getting outside ideally while you're doing it, which has a ton of benefits for you and for your baby, especially early on with um, having the baby kind of readjust or readjust, adjust, right? For the first <laughs> time to, to kind of developing their circadian rhythm and figuring out night and day. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to just really simply getting out and walking. Um, and then what else you can do is, yeah, yoga. You can do a lot of gentle movement. You can do it kneeling or seated to start and just kind of, you know, opening up your shoulders. Because especially if you are breastfeeding, but even bottle feeding early on, you're really kind of curled up over your baby. So just anything to kind of open up your shoulders can be really helpful for that um and then you can you can start lifting you know lighter weights at six weeks once you are cleared but you don't want to do really like heavy lifting and it's more the high impact activities that you really want to push out to at least 12 weeks um and that's you know we've been seeing more of that 12 weeks for you know the minimum for starting to return to running and so you can really use that as a guideline for returning to really any high impact activity. And for, for both of your children and Ariel has a four year old and a 20 month old for both of your children, did you stay active during their pregnancies? Uh, yes and no. For the first I did, I ran up until 39 weeks oh, wow. um, with my first, my son, and he came at 41 weeks, but I was still walking. I, 
worked, uh, you know, as a physical therapist, I was doing home care at the time and I was working, treating patients up until 40 weeks. I, I stopped at my due date because really for no other reason than trying logistically to plan kind of handing over my caseload and working all of that stuff out and like, oh, if I go late early, whatever. Um, so I was very active. I was at the gym. I was lifting fairly heavy with him. I was doing yoga pretty regularly. Unfortunately, with my daughter, I did not have the luxury of being able to do that. Um, I just had more complications. My placenta was low lying. So it was, you know, covering my cervix. So that kind of puts you into some restrictions. Luckily, it did it did lift and it, and it shifted. Um, but because of that, by the time it shifted, I was pretty far along and it it wasn't I didn't find that it was in my best interest to start my running practice again at that point because I was so out of practice and so far pregnant. Um, so I, I stayed as active as I was able to. I still did go, you know, to the gym when I was cleared. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very nice sounding drum, but it's a little much for right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Don't apologize. I love this. this, is, this, this I, I, I hate to say it kind of makes me happy because it means I'm not alone yeah. when I'm doing I, every now and then. You can't hear them, but I see my kids going back and forth. And one, I know one wants to come in here. She so wants to come yeah. in here, but now. Um, yeah. Okay. You were telling me that you do you, you um you didn't um yeah I wasn't able to work out yeah. with my second and I wish I was able to um but like I said I just I really wasn't able to as much you know when I did again when I did get cleared I did do some yoga um I mean I was kind of a little more active in general because I was running after my very active at the time he was a two year old and. Clearly, he has a lot of energy. So. Yes. So we were yes. we were always out walking and doing things like that. But it was it was you know lower level. It was not my my baseline by any means. Yeah, who would have known two year olds had so much energy? But <laughs> yeah. um, nonstop. But and by the way, it, I didn't I didn't find out there was really no such thing as terrible twos. For us, it was terrible threes. Like that. Yeah, what same. It for us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like twos. There's still not much they could do. But once three hits and they're like speaking more words and like they have a personality and they're starting to talk back and know what they want, it's like that's what they should be talking about a little more than the two. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love the like 18 months to like two and a half. It was like, great. Was an amazing oh, year. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it was wonderful. Um, and sometimes I see this nine year old. I'm like, just be two again, please just be two. <laughs> um, but I digress. So, but a lot of the work that you do, we've talked about physical fitness and we talked about that a little bit. A lot of the work you do is, is definitely that mind body connection, which I think more people not only need to, you know, understand, but kind of live in that where, yes, our minds have a lot to do with how we physically feel and vice versa. So with the women that you work with, and I'm sure you've worked through this yourself, um, how can they understand that, like, yes, your body is changing? Yes, 
you, you pushed this watermelon sized thing out of your body or had it cut out of your body and now it's yours and you have to take it home and apparently you have to pay for it and you have to feed it and you have to make sure it sleeps and put a house a roof over it, all that good stuff but at the same time like mentally you're going to be exhausted and mentally you need to understand that there is that connection with the mind and body in your work how do you help women with that connection yeah so i think the the two biggest pieces um with building the connection is really expectations and staying present and so kind of always checking your expectations and then returning to the present moment and i kind of i work with you know as i'm working with women and when i was working through this myself too i kind of go through three stages and it's to identify to um integrate and then to ignite and that's where you're really you're kind of pinpointing first so whether it's an emotional experience you know whether you're feeling an emotion what is that what what specifically are you feeling and then where in your body are you feeling it so if you are feeling anxious like do i need to check if my baby is still breathing that i feel like that's a big one that moms feel overnight once the baby is finally asleep they're still not able to rest because their mind is racing uh and they're constantly worrying and to a point you know that worry it's supposed to happen and our brain changes to allow that to happen our amygdala increases in size and so we are hyper aware of our baby and hyper aware of like what's going on in the environment to protect them and make sure that they're staying safe um unfortunately you know in our world today it's really easy to then kind of have that spin and spin on like the same thought and then a different thought and before we know it, we're worrying about things that again aren't even in the present moment when we get back to that present moment we realize that you know we're we're making up stories in our head that haven't happened yet that didn't happen that you know we don't need to be focusing on at that moment um but so so to a point we are you know it's not a bad thing to be a little hyper vigilant and have a little bit of that worry it's when it starts to become debilitating when it starts to run your life and you're making your decisions for yourself and your day and your baby based on that anxiety that it can kind of that it starts to interfere and that it can become more problematic um so it is you know really focusing on the mind body connection and where are you feeling that anxiety are you noticing that you're holding tension in your shoulders a lot of times um we tend to hold tension in our pelvic floor which then can kind of exacerbate some of the symptoms that we're feeling physically because you know if you think of you know a scared dog their their tail gets tucked under we're kind of the same way we kind of curl in when we're when we're scared or nervous um and so our tailbone even though we don't have that big long tail we still have that our tailbone that tucks under and that tension that you know we kind of squeeze our glutes and it happens a lot and we don't even realize it until we start bringing our attention to it so really noticing like where you're feeling it is it in your chest is it are you feeling pains in your belly or feeling you know nausea or uneasiness um so always kind of identifying it first and same with the physical piece like if you're feeling any pelvic pain what activity are you noticing it during when are you noticing it and then where in your pelvis because it's all going to you know all of that information is good information and it's going to really 
allow you to then move forward with the next steps of kind of, okay, where do we go from here? Uh, and that's, you know, to the integration piece of it. And so like integrating the mind and the body, but then also finding practices that we can really integrate into our every day. You know, so whether, you know, for me, yoga is a big tool that I use because I feel like it really brings you into your body and into that present moment. And it, as you start to build that body awareness piece from there, it allows you to then start to explore the emotional aspects too. That's, that's so often we kind of brush aside and hide. And I, I have to commend you because I can, <laughs> I hear the kids and the fact that you're staying focused yeah. is amazing. Um, I have no choice. Right? I have to at this point. So. But and you, and you guys can't, I know you, you guys, you guys can't, can't see the video, but Ariel is actually moving, which is amazing. Like <laughs> m- mothers, mothers are amazing. And I won't keep you much longer. I just had, you know, no, one more okay. question, one more question for you, because I, I definitely want you to, to answer this. And I, in and, and I really mean, this might be a little personal too, also, and I want to make sure, but there's men listening to this. And, and of course mm-hmm. I love to be empathetic and, and, but there's just things I will never be able to know or be, or empathize with. And, and having a child is one of them and having postpartum is another one of them. What are some things that husbands, new fathers, boyfriends, anybody who has a new child with a woman, what are some things that we can do in that woman's life to at least maybe not take away the anxiety or take away the depression or take away the postpartum feelings, but what are some things that men can do in these situations? So I think the big thing is, is patience, right? So just knowing that there's going to be some shifts, knowing that she may take some things out on you and not that you need to just bear all of the burden and at least not indefinitely, right? Cause that's just not fair. Um, but to have some patience early on and to to try to listen to understand as opposed to listening to fix, which I know is really hard for men that most hurt. of the time. That hurts. And that's, oh, that hurts so much. And oh, that's my no goodness. fault. That's no fault. But, you know, men tend to be doers, fixers. They want to help. And that's a good thing. Wow. You guys, <laughs> that's a good thing, but, but not necessarily. Shh, okay, okay. Oh, poor thing. Oh. <laughs> Going in the other room was not a good decision, apparently. Okay, you can be on the show. You want to be on the show with us? Yeah. On the show with us. Um, so being patient and listening to understand as opposed to listening to fix. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there is the and drum, there's the drum again. <laughs> um, can be really, really helpful. And I say this because, you know, generally speaking, my husband is supportive, right? Like I, we have a good relationship. It was, it took its postpartum, like postpartum depression. It did take its toll on our relationship and mm-hmm. it was tough. We had some rough patches in there um but i i think really the the listening piece is a big one and then asking what 
you know, asking and then listening to the response mm. and, and trying to understand that your partner, you know, whether it's your wife, girlfriend, what have you, who had just had the baby is still, she's still in there. She's still the same person, right. but she is different. And I think that that's a really, you, you change postpartum. I think it, it, you know, having a baby changes you, it shifts your priorities and what would have worked for you before might not be working for you right now and may not be working for you in this postpartum period. So, you know, and that could be for many reasons. So, you know, for me, one of the things I said was that, honey, watch, um, you know, running was running was a big stress relief for me. And that would be something that would really help me generally is understanding that while, while she's still the same person is that her priorities may have shifted and that what might have worked for her in the past may not work for her in this moment. And to just listen to her at that time and see, you know, I feel like a big thing that we hear a lot is, you know, you need time for yourself. You need to do self-care and postpartum. And yes, that's part of what I do is, is teaching moms how to do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean like put your baby down, give your baby to somebody else so you can do some self-care activity like a massage or a pedicure or what have you on your own because that may be very triggering for her early on moms new moms don't usually want to be separated from their baby early on and that is normal and that's for a reason um so again it's kind of those expectations of of trying to be supportive and help in a way that is helpful for her and that's you know by listening and listening to again understand as opposed to try to like fix the problem of like oh well i'll just watch the baby while you can go like take an hour here or you know which sounds great and it sounds like a really nice gesture but oftentimes and listen for some for some new moms that might be exactly what they need so again that's going to listening to what they want um but for a, a lot that separation especially in those first few months can be really hard and that doesn't that's ne not necessarily indicative of a problem um it's just it's just kind of our natural instincts yeah uh, we were lucky with um our first child that my my mother-in-law well I, let me let me say that again i was lucky that my mother-in-law stayed with us i don't think my mother my, my wife really <laughs> they have a very interesting relationship but i won't say much about that but you're right. Like so many people would say, Hey, go on a date night. Just go get a babysitter. And I was like, I don't, I don't want anybody around my child. Like that would give, like, I wouldn't enjoy myself at all. Like I want to be around this child. So I think, and coming from a man who used to be the, the quintessential fixer, like, like if you ask me something, I'm going to fix it. Like, but now I understand after long conversations that sometimes I just need to listen. But, um, Ariel, this has been great. I appreciate hearing not only from you, but from your kids too. This oh my has been gosh. fun. And I think this is. <laughs> we had a no, whole long conversation because... <laughs> beforehand. We had all the snacks, yeah, it... TV time, and everything. But. <laughs> hey, but this is what it's like being a parent. So, um, 
Where can people, before I let you go, where can people find you online and get, get more information about what you do? All right. So you were asking where your listeners can find out more. So if they want to start to embrace the mess, because there's a whole lot of it and they are postpartum or pregnant and about to have a baby, then they can jump on my website. It's www.findyourwaymama.com. Um, and from there, they can check out the postpartum revolution. So that's my eight week program that I have um, that really helps guide new moms through the postpartum recovery phase so they can really heal, reconnect mind and body, and then rebuild from there to feel stronger and more confident in who they are becoming. Because as we touched on before, you know, we are becoming as new moms, you know, there is, there's a lot of us that's still in there, but we are changing and, you know, we need to acknowledge that. So if you're ready to acknowledge that piece, if you're ready to feel really strong in the body that you have currently and really confident, not only in your body, but also again, who you are, what your values are, how you want to parent and how you want to partner, then check out the postpartum revolution because I will guide you right on through that process. Um, and if you're not quite ready yet, you can always check me out on um, Instagram. I'm just at Ariel Martone and you can catch some of my content there. Awesome. Well, Ariel, this has been so much. I, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing this, and I, and I think that words sometimes aren't enough. And I think it's, it's think times like this where people can see what it's like to try to live a life as a mother, try to be busy, try to stay fit, try to take care of your kids and your mental health. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. You take care of those kids and have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. This was great. <laughs> thank you, as always, for listening to the 6 a.m. Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.